0: Welcome to the Winter Palace. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odess Magazine. Once again, the best laid schemes of Mice and Men. We were scheduled to have Carl Kessel and Jeff Parker on to talk about their two new Kickstarters. Unfortunately, Jeff had prior commitments and couldn't make the recording time. So I want to make sure everybody goes to Kickstarter this week to check out his project called Blighter, Tracker of the Realm. And... Give it a fund if you're so interested. Uh, otherwise, you can listen to Carl and I talk about his Kickstarter, which has also got a week left to go as of this recording. It is the latest Impossible Jones series. Uh, this is the third uh, Impossible Jones book after the graphic novel and the first issue with Holidays. Days. This is Impossible Jones teaming up with Captain Lightning. You're going to hear Carl and I talk about this new book, uh, his past book, his past Kickstarters uh, featuring Section Zero, and how an old Secret Origins book from the 1980s is going to play a factor into the backup strip in this new Impossible Jones issue. Uh, We also want to make a mention that Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, friends of the show, who we had talked about also being on the pod but couldn't make it, have a new book out called Rassle Castle, that you're going to want to check. Book One just came out a few weeks ago, so definitely make sure to check that out. And, of course, always buy bandette. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Winter Palace. We have some friends that have some... Uh, comics that are being kickstarted right now And we're going to have them on the show uh, We have one of them here now And hopefully the other uh, will be in the second half of the show uh, If not, it'll just be this And I'll uh, make sure to plug it in the intro Once uh, once it goes up if we don't get to talk to him But the person we do have here, I'm happy to say Is coming back to the show That is uh, the longtime comics creator uh, To talk about this new current project I'm happy to welcome back Carl Kessel How's it going, Carl?
1: It's going great, Mark. Thanks for having me back.
0: Thanks. Um, the The current book is Impossible Jones and Captain Lightning. That's in the last week of funding. The good news is that you are already funded, uh, and now you, we're just trying to get as much as we can to, to include all these great extras that you want to add to it, and we'll get to some of those in a second. Um, this is the third Impossible Jones book uh, for those of you who haven't seen Impossible Jones before, uh, why don't you give us the thumbnail of the character? All
1: right. Um, Impossible Jones is a thief who gains superpowers and is mistaken for a superhero and and decides to run with it, Uh, but with no intention of giving up her criminal ways Uh, because, first of all, she's good at it, she enjoys doing it, and now that she has powers, it's actually easier than ever before. Uh, And not only that, being thought of as a superhero, um, the police are happy to tell her where they have her have their patrols out. Um, she can go into a jewelry store and they are happy to show her their security system because they think of her as one of the city's protectors. And um, so the story really is um, about her, uh, you know, this high wire balancing act that she has to pull off where she has to not convince not just the city, but the other superheroes in the city that she's one of them, that she's one of the good guys. And um so, you know, that means at times she has to actually do heroic things. Um, but then when no one's looking, she steals those diamonds. And um that's where the tension and and I think the the uh the the interesting parts of the story lie is in that dichotomy and tension.
0: And for people uh who have been reading your work for a while, they know that you used to write uh, Harley Quinn back when she was sort of more comic and less uh, psychopathic, I guess, maybe we could say. And one of the characters uh, that's in the Impossible Jones universe, who is the co-star of the issue that just came out, is someone that is, I guess, sort of sort of your, uh, your Harley analog, uh, and that's Holly Days.
1: Yeah, uh, Holly was created very specifically to be a, an analog for Harley Quinn. Uh, And I did that because um, I did miss writing um, Harley Quinn. I enjoyed writing that book tremendously. She's a really great character. There's no question why she's become the phenomena she's become. And uh, part of the reason I started Impossible Jones was to write a similar character um, to get some of that same energy and feel when I was uh, writing the book. But as David and I put together Impossible Jones, um, she, you know, as every great character does, took on a life of her own. She went in. Um, I would say a distinctly different direction. Um, I, I actually think in many ways her uh, her person, person, she's I think she's smarter than Harley, and she's much more calculating than Harley. Um, I actually think in many ways she's more like Catwoman than Harley in, in some Broadway. She's, she's got a sense of humor like Harley, but I think she's very strategic the way Catwoman is. But anyways, I created Holly then as a very specific analog to Harley, Harley to show how unharley impossible jones was so that i can have the two on screen at the same time and you could say oh this one is clearly like holly harley quinn this one clearly is not and uh, the thing is of course then we were writing holly days and we were having a blast uh with her and her adventures and and uh, so we brought her back and um she and impossible jones have an interesting relationship because uh as you learn in, in the book that just came out Holly used to be a hero, and then she became a thief. Whereas Impossible Jones is a thief, still is a thief, but people think she's a hero. So there's a there's an interesting mirror uh, image, mirror, you know some mirror mirrored themes or whatever you want to say going on there. And so they've they've actually struck up a friendship, um, you know, which Holly does not quite understand because. Impossible Jones, Jones is a hero, but here she has no no problem hanging out with a known criminal. You know, they go out, they get drinks, they have a good time, and they do. They have a really good time together. Um, and I, I think that relationship is really interesting and that's what we explored in the last book.
0: And her uh, her former partner is certainly an interesting character. Like you said, she's a Harley Quinn analog and her mentor, the, the Joker analog is, Is very, very different than the Joker in some ways. And sort of visually similar to Batman, too.
1: Yeah, that just happened. Obviously, uh, with Holly being a Christmas-themed criminal, we wanted to give her a Joker-esque mentor. And so if you look at Christmas, well, I guess the evil side of Christmas is Krampus. And so that's who we decided was her mentor, a character called Krampus. And Krampus is only in those very general ways, you know, a Joker analog. He is nothing like the Joker. As you said, in many ways, um, he's got the intensity and the grimness of Batman actually. Um, and, um, the relationship between Holly and Krampus is, um, very, very different than the relationship between Holly or Harley. I'm sorry, Harley and the Joker. They're very different. Uh, the, the Krampus relationship goes in a very different direction. And I think, uh, um, but honestly, a much scarier direction.
0: Definitely. And the book that we're currently kickstarting is Impossible Jones teaming up with another hero that was in the original book and one that you've had in your back pocket for quite a while.
1: Yeah, that's Captain Lightning. I, I created Captain Lightning in second grade, almost 50, well, no more, unfortunately, more than 50 years ago now. And um, I created him when I couldn't draw necks on people and I couldn't draw legs. So Captain Lightning from the waist down was just a lightning bolt. And um, he was a character that I drew in sketchbooks all during elementary school, all during middle school, up through even when I was in high school. Uh, Sadly, my mother threw out all those sketchbooks. So there's no existing old original art um, or stories with Captain Lightning. But I drew him for many, many, many years. And when I was... Pulling together the cast for Impossible Jones, and we needed a a, a stand-up superhero a character with some gravitas and sense of authority that could walk into a room and instantly command the room. I, I pulled Captain Lightning out of the back of my pocket, and he fit perfectly. And it's a thrill; it is a real thrill to bring in a character that you created in second grade and uh, and see him, you know, in a real comic, see him come to life like this, you know, in the hands of someone like David Hahn. Who uh, is a master of expression and body language, and uh, it's it's a joy. It's a real joy.
0: It's funny when you talk to creators how many characters that they've used over the years are characters that they created as kids that they sort of saved until the right time to use in their book, whether it's creator-owned or you know for DC or Marvel.
1: Well, I guess I guess we all have those characters in our back pocket. Otherwise, you don't become a, a cartoonist, you know, um, I, I, I I have to say I remember this is really a, a little digression. But I remember when I was a kid, um, I did not understand how copyrights and trademarks worked. Obviously, I was a kid. And, and I thought if a comic book got canceled, that meant like that that character was up for grabs and anyone could put out, you know, specifically Silver Surfer. There was a Silver Surfer comic when I was a kid. It lasted 18 issues and it was canceled. And me and my friends are going, we, we could do Silver Surfer comics now because he's like, he's he's up for grabs. And, uh, you know, like our idea was whoever said TM first would own the characters. You'd like go, Silver Surfer TM. And, you know, like that would hold up in a court of law, right? But um, but yeah, I mean, we all we all, that's why we're cartoonists. We love these sort of characters
0: and uh one of the characters that we see in not necessarily in the holidays story itself but is in the holidays comic as a backup is certainly the character that intrigues me the most and we're going to be seeing more of them uh in this captain lightning issue as a as a backup yes
1: and and obviously you're talking about even steven and uh even steven is our uh I guess the easiest way to describe him is he's uh, a mix of Mr. A and the Phantom Stranger. He, uh, he's a very Ditko-esque character. And uh, the thing about even Steven is he, he can exactly and will only exactly match the level of power of anyone he goes up against because he feels, well, it doesn't just feel, he believes, he believes to the core of his being that good, will always triumph over evil in a fair fight. It has to be a fair fight. And uh, so the thing I think is most interesting about him is that he's a character defined by his philosophy, not his powers. And uh, to me, that's really fascinating. And he was the clear breakout character from the graphic novel. He appeared in two or three scenes, and he was a scene stealer. He stole every scene he was in. I cannot tell you how many times people said, I want to see more even Steven. So, as one of our stretch goals in the Holly Days book, we gave even Steven a six-page backup that, um, you know, was a lot of fun. And we have done the same in the Captain Lightning, uh, Captain Lightning Kickstarter, the uh, Impossible Jones Captain Lightning Kickstarter going on now. And uh, we have we have we have cleared the way for a three-page backup with even Steven. I'd like to double that to six pages, maybe by the time. This is posted. We will have reached a a level where we will have funded a six-page backup. And not only that, but I was able to wrangle Mark Wade into writing it. And so I'm very excited about this. Um, What this will be, for people who are interested, is this will be the origin of Even Stephen. Or I should say it will be one of the origins of Even Stephen. Because the the thing with Even Stephen is he works best as an enigma. And the more you know about him, I think the less interesting he's going to become. So the idea of giving him solo stories, you have to find ways to do that, which does not undercut the mystery of the character. And so one of the things we find out is various people have various ideas about who even Steven is or where he came from. Or is he, you know, and and I guess what I told Mark, I said, Mark, his origin can be anything you want it to be because it's just an urban legend it's one of the urban legends surrounding even steven and i can't wait to see what mark comes up with
0: which is great because that reminds me uh i off the top of my head i don't you you might have actually worked on this story i don't remember um but there was a secret origins issue with the phantom stranger and yeah. Mark, had,
1: Mark, 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 I believe Mark edited that. And I was gonna I,
0: say I don't know. I wasn't sure if it was late enough in the run that when he became editor. But the yeah. gimmick was that there were four different versions of the Phantom Stranger's origin. Right. one I, of them, I, one of them by Alan Moore. But it's funny, like how that. Yeah, like you said, some of these some of these characters work better the less you know about them, and when you demystify them, you know it takes a little something away.
1: Exactly. And I will admit flatly that I'm stealing this Even Stephen idea right from that Phantom Stranger issue of Secret Origins. There's, I'm not going to hide that. That was a brilliant idea Mark had as the editor. And um, my wife, my wife often says, she goes, you know, good, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And I'm not saying I'm a great artist, but I certainly am stealing this idea. And... Um, And that was one of the reasons I approached Mark. I said, Mark, you know, I'm, I'm stealing from you. So I'm going to give you first crack at coming up with something. And, uh, he said, I, he said, he'd love to, which made me happy, happy, happy.
0: That's cool. Um, so I guess, since you said we have like about a week left, um, what are some of the stretch goals that are, that are still up for grabs in the last week?
1: Well, like I said, I want to double the pages for the uh, um, Even Steven backup. It's, it, we, we have funded three pages for the backup. I really would like it to be six. Uh, first of all, three pages is not an even number, people. Even Steven, it's got to be even. It's got to be an even number. So um, six pages would be good and six six pages is what we had last time. Um, I would also like to add some spot gloss. Uh, we, we've, we've funded spot gloss for the main books cover. But we have two alternate covers and I'd love to get spot gloss on those because I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm a spot gloss junkie. I just think they, that it adds such a uh, a level of it just brings every book that it's on up a level because it, it, it adds depth to the cover and uh, interest, visual interest to the cover. It really draws your attention to the right spots. Um, and so we have a uh, alternate cover by John Bogdanov, which is a Captain Lightning cover. Uh, which is a uh, homage to an old Golden Age Superman cover where he's struck by lightning. And John did an amazing, amazing homage to that cover. And I can only imagine how much cooler it will look with spot gloss on it. And then we also have an alternate cover, which right now is, was, was expanded to a wraparound cover by Tom Grummet, which features Impossible Jones and Captain Lightning fighting secret guest stars of the issue, section zero and uh, section zero is a creator on property that tom and i have been working on and uh, did put out a book uh, a couple of years back um so tom was gracious enough to a allow section zero to appear in impossible jones and b uh found some time to do a wraparound around cover with the characters on it and uh, it's a beautiful cover wrap around cover really striking cover tom always does really dynamic work um, and I can only imagine how much better that would be with some spot gloss. So those those are my initial uh, goals that I would really like to, you know, get before this ends uh, next Thursday, uh, October 21st at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
0: I was going to ask about Section Zero because there's still a new Section Zero book that was funded a year or so ago. For uh, so. still. Yeah. We're, I was going to say I, I couldn't remember off the top of my head how when exactly it was, especially now that we're in this time where you know time doesn't matter anymore and you just lose track of everything um but well, that's that's still in the pipeline, correct
1: yes, it is um I will say you know uh, our our initial stumble was because Tom took on an, another job and uh, was was not able to produce the section zero uh, pages as quickly as i thought he could or that he thought he could. But in the last year, I, I have to say it's, it's all on my shoulders. Um, be not just because of COVID, but because of some family matters. Uh, I have found my 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 free time or my work time, I should say, drastically reduced, reduced beyond where I ever expected it to be reduced. And uh, we're working hard to fix that, but uh, it's, it's a very slow process. And so section zero, 1959, that was the second book. That is still being produced. I was writing uh, some script for it just on Monday. Uh, every Monday now is section zero day for me to work on the book uh, so we can get it done. It's important to me to get it done uh, because I want to see the book. I really lo- love those characters and I want to see them get in print. Um, and Tom is still on board. He's waiting for me. He understands um, the uh, the family problems I'm going through. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I, you know, I just appreciate the, the patience of everyone I'm working with uh, on it because it's it's an important book to me.
0: I did want to uh, talk to you maybe a little about the nuts and bolts of this because this, uh, this current book is your fifth Kickstarter. So um, how would you find the process overall? And, like, maybe how has it changed from when you did the first section zero to now? Like, I assume there's been lots of, like, Learning issues and I I certainly know when I did my first book like I learned I made all these learning mistakes that I didn't understand Oh, you know, it was just I went oh, I'll just do this 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 and this and I found all of these things that I had no idea about These hurdles that I learned that I learned from so how's Kickstarter been for you overall with these five books?
1: Well, obviously I, um, I, I Really enjoy Kickstarters. I enjoy the whole process um uh, but, but, I have found that I enjoy all all steps in putting together comics, which you know, nowadays for me includes Kickstarters. I enjoy the editorial. I des- enjoy the marketing. I enjoy the design work. I you know, I mean, I fulfilled the uh, imp uh, Holly book all by myself with with some help from the kids. Um and I really liked it. I mean, I spent a couple of weeks in the basement packing boxes, um but I got to listen to a lot of music. and anyways, i I found that I enjoy all of the uh aspects to producing these comics including the kickstarters and yeah like you said my first kickstarter for that first section zero uh i I was very naive and uh that book i was convinced was not going to be funded it earned one-third of its funding on its very last day when when the internet beast just seemed to come alive and notice it and I mean, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I was getting pledges, pledges, pledges. When I thought I got like eight hours, and and I'm going to have to figure out what to do with my life. And um, and we were we actually ended up uh, raising fifteen thousand dollars on that last day. Um, and uh, but since then, I've learned a lot more about, you know, uh, and and I worry a lot more, I guess I should say, about expanding my audience, reaching people that don't know about me on, on social media how do i find those people who will like this book how do i find them how do i let them find me um you know that's really the question that goes goes through my mind like constantly i'm laying in bed and i'm going okay what can i try tomorrow that might catch someone's attention king shark i could i could do a few posts about king shark cuz cuz everyone loves king shark and a visual of him will stop someone and make them look at the ad or the post, I guess I should say. And then maybe they'll check out the Kickstarter. I mean, that's the sort of thing I do constantly. How can I get more people to notice this? Someone who has glanced over it before, how can I get them to stop and think about this and maybe click on the link? You know, that's a big part of my day right there.
0: And with the the original Section Zero book, you split that up and and put out issues for comic shops. Was that, was that successful f- for your terms? I mean, obviously you had sort of already, you know, made the bulk of your money off of it by doing the Kickstarter and the graphic novel, but did that, did the issues help spread the word for like the next project and some of this other stuff? Do you I, think? Well, you
1: know, it, it's, you know, I don't have like uh, focus groups or, you know, things like that to find out, I would like to think, you know, and of course that's the plan is that um, one feeds the other. Uh, I mean, in the case of Section Zero, uh, the money we raised, you know, really did not cover the cost of the book. It really did not, because at that point, one of my big mistakes was I hadn't figured in how much time trafficking, you know, or editorial or production or design work. These were all, all things that I ended up doing and I loved doing, but I had not budgeted for any of it. And so I had weeks and weeks and months of work where really I was not earning money. Um, and so each Kickstarter sense, I've tried to work that into the budget more. Um, and I still, you know, I mean, that stuff takes up a phenomenal amount of time in it. And, you know, it's very hard to, for me, it's very hard to figure out exactly how much to charge for that. How much does that cost me? <clears throat> because, you know, I answer a few emails I guess I'm doing marketing there. Oh, this, this person's package. Uh, they got you know the impossible Jones holidays book and it was damaged. I got to send a replacement. So I, I suddenly put on my fulfillment hat for 15 minutes and go package up a new package. Um, you know, but then I come back and I'm worrying about the next post for you know impossible Jones captain lightning. Uh, and, and it's really hard to figure out the cost of that. What, what, what should I be reimbursed to make that worth my time? It's very, very difficult and And I really don't I don't know if I've actually produced a Kickstarter yet that has really paid its full way
0: yet do so. you think do you think doing single issues is is sort of better in that run than doing like a whole big graphic novel all at once?
1: Well, I think there's pluses and minuses to either. I think the graphic novel people, a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I certainly know there are people out there who will pay you 30, 40, even $50 for a graphic novel, but are very hesitant to pay you $10 for a comic book. And I don't blame them for that. I understand that there is a difference there. Um, on the other hand, I find it's easier for me to, um, budget on the smaller scale because, um, you know this this book i got to get it out before i can get out you know the next chapter it's it's really like releasing chapters of a graphic novel in many ways and um and those shorter deadlines make it easier for me to keep control of the budget it uh, it also makes it easier to to get the book out because when you got this big sprawling graphic novel i have found on the section zero graphic novel on the first impossible jones graphic novel it's really easy to lose a few days here, and you lose a few days here, and you lose a few days there, and all of a sudden you're you're like a month behind where you thought you were going to be, um, and you know those things add up. Uh, but when you're just doing a thirty or you know in in our case a forty page book, <clears throat> that's bigger than your regular comic book, almost twice as in fact it is twice as big as your regular comic book, but we can get that out in five months. I, I it just I, you know and I think that's a big plus right there. And I also think it's a big plus that we do get out a new book every five months. Maybe we can get that down to four months, because that keeps the Impossible Jones name out there more than once a year, which is really what a graphic novel is. Once a year, I come out and I'd say, new Impossible Jones graphic novel. But with the books, every four or five months, we can have a new Kickstarter. And that reminds people more often, more often, you know. And, and I think there's um, there's value to that.
0: Definitely. I mean, I've been fortunate I was looking at my Kickstarter history doing prep for the show just to sort of double check stuff. And I was happy to see that I think there's only one thing that I've ever backed that is still in limbo. And that was. was somebody who probably uh, this is very early in the in Kickstarter, you know, had probably an overly ambitious project. And got farther and farther behind, and then I believe got sick, and then had to, you know, take, work for higher jobs to pay for the work he was, and so, you know, it's been, you know, seven, eight years, and I couldn't even tell you the last time they even updated to say, am I going to get, are they going to give refunds? Is this ever going to happen? And it's just like, I mean, it probably wasn't that much, you know, it was probably like 20 bucks or whatever, so it's not the end of the world. But I think I've been fortunate. That like I haven't been burned more often. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you. I'm sure you know. You talk to colleagues about, like, great ideas they may have had for Kickstarter, and especially in the last year and a half, how many great ideas ended up going up in smoke because of various problems.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. So,
0: uh, before we let you go, Carl, you did briefly mention it, and I did. I did want to ask you about. The the now uh, mainstream popularity of the character you created, and that's King Shark.
1: Well, it is it's right now my biggest claim to pop culture fame, which uh, I never would have expected when I created him back. Uh, well, first he first appears in Superboy eight, and then really had a, a starring role in Superboy nine. Um, I I have to say I'm very happy. I like King Shark. I think he. He steals the show in the in the Suicide Squad movie. Um, I'm, I, I really it, it you just can't plan these things, can you? I mean, I never would have expected anyone would ever know the name King Shark, and now like everyone, you know, almost everyone knows the name King Shark. Certainly, anyone that follows superhero movies, which is millions of people. So, um,
0: it's it, it's funny on on sort of a similar level that you never know. I mean, I'm sure you've created dozens, if not hundreds of characters over all this time like for end up for what you end up being known for whereas i was reading some story the other day um it was about chuck dixon's uh new stuff that's coming out and like they refer to him as chuck dixon comma creator of bane comma right and it's like you know of all the things that chuck has done over the years to me bane is not the first thing that i think of but yeah, well, to the I, average person who's seen the Batman movies, they know who Bane is.
1: Exactly, that's what it comes down to. You know, um, I do think Chuck has done—I uh, don't want to say better, but but work I—I uh, I feel has more. I don't know if life is the right word. I mean, I see Jay, I, I see Bane as a a very solid, but um, quite honestly, um, middle of the road villain. Where I think Chuck has done some really exceptional work. But, uh, but, you know, that is not, uh, that's not what makes it into a Batman movie. And, you know, I think, let's face it, King Shark, he's a shark. Uh, it, it doesn't take a genius to come up with a character like that. Um, I was lucky enough to hit on a name that people seem to like. I mean, there's been plenty of other shark characters. DC even has a character called The Shark. But um, King Shark, I think it has a lot to do with the name. People like it. And I was lucky enough to hit on that name. It was. There's so much in this business, and I'm sure in all businesses, that comes down to being the right place at the right time and doing the right thing. And King Shark was an example of it. You know, uh, if James Gunn, you know, I mean, he's, he's been around. Obviously, he was on the Harley Quinn animated show. Uh, and and I hear he's very good on that. I've never seen that show. Um, he's been on the, uh, the Flash TV series, which, again, I have not watched, but I hear he's very good on it. Um, but, uh, you know, he has had a life. He He's, like many characters, a character who had a, has had a life of his own. He just took on a life of his own uh, far beyond what I ever did with him, obviously. I mean, at this point, I've written a small percentage of King Shark's appearances. Um, but I, I laid down some seeds that other people were able to make grow into something pretty extraordinary. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky and very happy with what's
0: happened. It's funny, it sort of uh, goes back to what we were talking about before. If you had told me that King Shark was a character you created when you were eight years old to fight Captain Lightning, I would not have been surprised, because uh, King Shark sounds like like an idea a kid might have.
1: No, I think that's probably true, yeah.
0: You know, and then... But yeah, you just never know. It's. I mean, you look at some of the stuff you did in Superboy, um, you know, or uh characters that you created uh like in that time period like you know there's knockout who was like at this in the same time as somebody else you know that that could have easily been the breakout character instead of king shark
1: yeah you know knockout there's there's some interesting stories about knockout i have some interesting theories about knockout i i personally think knockout is a much better character than king shark yes i think she could be uh, a real standout character in live action in animation um but yet she's hardly ever used is she um and uh I, I have theories about why that is
0: so but you only need one person if you know if the next person who makes a superman movie is given a stack of research materials that happens to somehow read like an issue of ravers and there's you know one character you know the the accordion guy you know like that's just suddenly you know triggers a light on somebody's head and he ends up in the next superman movie you just never
1: know. No, you never know. You never know. And, and I do think at the same time, you know, uh, and, and quite honestly, I think this is what happened with Knockout. It takes one guy to decide, I don't want that character around, and you don't see that character again. If, it's, if the guy's in the right place, that can happen.
0: Yep, Carl, I want to thank you very much uh, for doing this today. And unfortunately, uh, you were solo. Um, not not that I mind talking to you solo, but we had some plans that fell through and hopefully wound we'll up talking. It was supposed to be Jeff Jeff Parker. We're supposed to be on to talk about blighter. Um, so maybe we'll I'll talk to him separately if not, make people make sure you check out Jeff's Kickstarter. Uh, it also has about the same amount of time left to go. Yeah. But uh, yeah, everybody, go get uh, fund the next impossible Jones, get us six pages of the Even Stephen. Um, Carl, thanks again for your time.
1: All right, and I just want to mention uh, the uh, the link is very easy to remember for Impossible Jones. It's Impossible Kickstarter, one word, takes you right to the Kickstarter page. Impossible Kickstarter.
0: Great, and best of luck with your last week, Carl. And uh, we may have a part two for people. If not, we will talk to everybody next time.